everybody and welcome back to the Monday Morning Faith Podcast. My name is Emily and today we're going to be reading out of the book of Jude. Um, For some context, Jude is the half-brother of Jesus, um, one of them other than James. And the book of Jude is really short. It's uh, one chapter? Yeah, it's one chapter. Um, And so... It's a really short read, but a really powerful and important read. It talks a lot about um, the people around us in the world. And it's crazy to me how people thousands of years ago are still acting the same to as we are today. So it talks about the way around us and then talks about the way the Lord responds and the way we ought to respond. Um, and so I find it very powerful and I want to delve into it with you guys today and talk about what Jude, uh, Jesus's half-brother, has to say about this. So let's get it started. Um, The letter opens up by saying, To those who have been called, who are loved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. And that's like a common greeting we see throughout the epistles or the New Testament. It's... um, really sweet the way they greet um, each other that way. I actually had someone at my uh, old church I used to attend who would sign off all her emails like that. It was very sweet and very endearing. Um, So right off the bat of the letter, um, in verse 3, Jude urges us, literally, it says, I feel compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. And so... Um, We see throughout the gospel and the New Testament how all these apostles and disciples and people that were surrounding Jesus and Jesus himself ask us to contend for the faith. They ask us to share our faith with others, to push it along, to stand up for it, and to really uh, fight for it, to move forward and for other people to hear and experience it. And I feel like once we get a taste and a touch of Jesus, it's really hard to not want to share that with other people. Uh, hence why I do this podcast, um, to encourage those who are already in the faith and to hopefully lead people who haven't yet experienced that taste or touch of Jesus um, to lead them closer to that. And so, like Jude is saying, the p- job of the people who are God's holy people, who have been chosen by him, um, who believe in him, the job of ours is to contend for the faith, um, whatever that looks like. That can look like serving coffee at church on Sunday. That can look like sharing your faith with a friend or in class. And um, God certainly supplies us with all we need for that. Um, but now I'm going to switch to talking about the people that were around Jude in this time of day and draw some parallels between the people that we experience in the world today in the 21st century. Um, Jude says in verse 4, he says, There are, are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus our only sovereign and Lord. So I'm sure we can all think of people who twist the Bible and twist the word of God into a license to um, permit all sorts of uh, sinful things. It's like when people say, well, Jesus turned water into wine while they're doing shots at the bar. Um, 
and they're participating in drunkenness. Um, and they're drinking to get drunk. And we know those things are sin based on the word of God. Um, in Peter, it says, be alert and of sober mind. For the devil um, prowls around look, like a lion looking for someone to devour. Um, so, yeah, we can see why we have certain things given to us as advice and commands and different things in the Bible. But um, the ungodly do pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality, as Jude says. And this also, this verse serves as a way to identify people who do pervert the grace. It serves as a way to identify people who are ungodly, but might be like a wolf in sheep's clothing kind of scenario. Um, Someone who maybe attends church or um, is in your small group and is speaking into your life, but, um, but might might be preferring the word of God in a very hidden and subliminal way that you might not recognize. And it's hard because the Bible is so big and there's so many things in it. And so it's hard to be an expert in everything or know everything. That's why I think we should always draw on wiser sources on ourselves. It's great to have people that we can look up to, uh, p- parents if that's an option, or or friends that have been in the faith longer and um, mentors and it's great to be able to turn to those people um, for what we lack in biblical knowledge to be able to say is this consistent with the word of God um, is what this person said consistent with the word of God is a great question to always be asking um, and then also if we're lacking the biblical knowledge we should feel empowered um, to seek answers ourselves uh, with God in prayer and by evaluating the word ourselves and using commentary uh, where we feel we don't understand things. I like to use enduring word personally. Um, But anyways, that's just one way we can recognize ungodly people is when they pervert the word of God and the grace of God uh, to deny Jesus and promote immorality. Um, Later in verse 8, Jude says, the ungodly pollute their own bodies and reject authority. Um, I mean, in my mind, that goes back to drunkenness. That goes, in my mind, to the types of media we consume, uh, what we allow our brain to have access to, certain songs, movies, TV shows, podcasts, um, anything that is bringing us further away from God, in my mind, is pollution to our mind. And that's not to, like, say, oh, you're terrible if you watch The Bachelor, That's not what I'm saying. It's just certainly polluting our mind. That doesn't mean we're a bad person per se. Um, But it does mean we should invite God into that area of our lives and pray about it. God, I know this isn't bringing me closer to you. Or if if you think it's neutral or it is, that's something to pray about too. And just ask God to open our eyes and show us... um, Show us where he wants us and show us if it's pulling us away from him and then ask him to give us the power and the courage to turn away from what is turning us away from him. Which is hard, of course, um, but it's nonetheless a good prayer to invite God into. Um, But anyways, when I hear the words pollute our own bodies, that to me, um, pollution happens when you absorb things. Um, You can think of a river um, when people are heaping garbage into it, 
it becomes polluted because the river is absorbing the garbage. Um, just as when we hang out with friends that um, gossip and talk poorly about other people behind their backs and, uh, you know, swear, do drugs, drink excessively. Um, that's what we're soaking up. And so that's also something to pray about and invite God into. Um, because in pollution, you're soaking it up and eventually you become polluted yourself if you stick around with it long enough. And the book of Proverbs has plenty of warnings about, um, becoming like the people you surround yourself with. And, um, I think this is also a warning for the Christian to see in what ways, um, are people around me affecting me, right? You know, earlier in verse three, we we're talking about people who, um, pervert the, the grace and the word of God. That's not good for the Christian because it can pervert our understanding of God as well if we don't understand. So it's something to be on our guard against. Just as people who pollute their own bodies um, is something for us to be on our guard against because it can wind up polluting our bodies. Um, so we want to be really careful with that idea of pollution and pollution of the soul um, and what that does to us. And that's why the word of God uh, is there to guide us and tell us and warn us about the things that can pollute us. And every time I've thought to myself, oh, but I really like watching shows like The Bachelor or Love Island, which I've been known to occasionally watch an episode of. I do walk away feeling like icky, but not because like, oh, God's making me feel bad for watching it, which some, you know, is possible to happen, but it's because I don't like becoming more like the people I see on Love Island because they're some of them can be really vain and say things like, oh, if he doesn't have abs, then he's not like a 10 out of 10 and I would never date a guy that doesn't have abs. Like they say those things all the time, like uh, even in their intros. And that's not healthy for me to like be absorbing because then I go and look at my husband and I'm like, oh, he doesn't have abs. Like, and you're thinking those thoughts and it's just polluting you and it's just not healthy. And there is a reason that God asks us to think about, um, in First Timothy, think about whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is noble, whatever is um, excellent or praiseworthy. Think about these things. And I don't know if Love Island is uh, praiseworthy or right or noble or true. Um, so that's just one thing for us to think about and meditate on. Because the word of God definitely doesn't explicitly say... Do not watch Love Island or The Bachelor. But I think there's plenty of verses that give us really good caution for absorbing material like that into our bodies. Um, and it is warning us about the types of people that pollute their own bodies for that reason. So that we can be careful that their pollution does not translate into our own pollution. And it says it, that in verse 8, ungodly people reject authority. So that's another way to see um, to see um, who is following God and who is not. And um, even if we are following God and reject authority, that's something that we can totally work on and that God can convict us through and help us through. But it does talk about a rejection of authority being a 
mark of someone who is not following God. Um, because God, the word of God calls us to, um, to respect all authority, um, which is really difficult. And one of my churches actually did a fantastic sermon on the one verse that says we are to obey all authority in this world. Um, because it's really hard when we disagree with our politicians or we disagree with our local governments or all sorts of things. For instance, um, I have a, um, there's a cannabis store that's now, we've always had cannabis stores like marijuana locations to use the other term for weed, but we've had them throughout my city for like a decade now, but now we have government owned ones, which is a bit of a game changer because it really feels like the government is like promoting it. And we also have government run liquor stores where I live. So it's kind of a big deal for it to like now be a government run marijuana store. So there was a lot of outrage over that. And, um, you know, it's tempting to want to protest that or to be mad at the authority people who have allowed this in our local government. But um, the word of God does tell us that we need to obey all rulers and authorities of this world. And so the sermon we had was really great. And it just talked about what the Christian response should be to authority figures when they say um, or invoke things that we disagree with um, and how we respond to that with love. So that was a really interesting sermon. Um, But when I hear about ungodly people rejecting authority, it's like um, them being their own authority and not wanting anyone else to tell them what to do, which is a really, really popular ideology in this day and age. Everyone says that freedom comes from having no rules. But in all honesty, I have only had more freedom in my life listening to the word of God and obeying um, or trying to obey um, what God says because we all fall short. However, trying to follow um, the word of God as closely as possible um, has unlocked freedom in my life, um, even on things I never thought it would. Anyways, let's move forward. In verse 10, it says, These people slander whatever they do not understand, and the very things they do understand by instinct will destroy them. Now that's really interesting to me, because it's once again saying that um, people in the world who don't understand God, who haven't experienced him, maybe have no fault of their own, or people who have heard of him but have chosen to turn away, they slander whatever they don't understand. So if we're um, wanting to share our faith with a friend, they might have a reaction where they start saying some negative things about Jesus or Christians or Christianity because people are going to slander what they don't understand. That's just a natural tendency of the unsaved, of people who don't have Jesus in their heart. And We know that because if we are following Jesus, we should have love in our hearts and we should not have slander in our vocabulary. Um, And so that's how we can tell the difference. People who slander others routinely um, might not not be tapping fully into the Holy Spirit, might not be um, having God's love flow throughout them. And people who slander 
other people slander things they don't understand who are quick to anger rather than what it says in James about being slow to anger. Um, you know, they might not be um, pursuing God and that's okay because we can work with that and we can show them that... Um, and I'm not talking about people who, oh, like got caught off guard at work one time and like slandered their coworker and, you know, made a mistake, repented of it by apologizing to God and prayed about it and God forgave them and it's, you know, put to rest. I'm talking about people who like repeatedly, like this is a heavy characteristic, like personality trait. Like they, they slander everything they don't understand. They slander everything all the time. Like slander is just a part of who they are because they're not saved. They haven't experienced God's grace. And as a result of living life in a lack of grace, people will slander what they don't understand. Um, and it says the very things they do understand by instinct will destroy them. When I think about that, I think about money, I think about power, I think about um, sex, I think about um, all those things. I think about those things that are easy to understand by the world's standards um, being corrupting and destroying us. Um, and it's a caution to the Christian that these things that are easy to understand from a worldly point of view have the power to destroy us. And that's why we, um, are cautioned. That's why we listen to God. That's why we turn to people who are wise and we ask them for, um, help in our lives. Okay, furthermore, um, just talking more about the people around us that Jude describes that I see parallels with um, in our day and age. He talks about shepherds that feed only themselves, which is really interesting. A shepherd who feeds only themselves. Um, That could be a a parent who only cares about their needs. for some people who have experienced that in their lives, not me personally, but uh, I'm, which I'm very grateful for, but I know some people have experienced that. Um, pastors who care more about what they look like on Sunday than they do pastoral care or their congregation. Um, you know, teachers who care more about a paycheck than they do their students. Um, shepherds who feed only themselves. It's a really important way to identify um people who are not following God. And the reason I'm going through all these things of like how we can identify people who are and aren't following God is because if we can't do the basic exercise of determining um, who is or who the ungodly is and who the godly is, if we can't distinguish between those two, we really, 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 really run the risk of having the ungodly become our source of everything in our life our source of entertainment, our source of friendship, our source of fellowship, our source of understanding, our source of wisdom, we really run the risk. And we see it time and time again um, in the Christian life that it is so much easier to be listening to the world than it is to be listening to the word. And so it's really important that we can tell the difference between the two. And there are um, wolves in sheep's clothing. The word talks about that so much. And we have to be on our guard. The Bible uses terms like watch out, be on your guard. Um, And so we ought to do that. Be alert and of sober mind, as Paul says 
or Peter says sorry. Um, so we, um, we're going through this for that purpose, um, that we can tell the difference, that we have the strength to know, um, what we should be listening to in our lives and what we need to be on our guard against. Um, because part about listening, not rejecting authority, as we just talked about, is if we have a teacher who is, uh, a shepherd who feeds only themselves, that doesn't mean we don't show up to class and we don't listen to the lecture, um, what that means is that we are aware that they are a shepherd who is feeding only themselves and that knowledge will guard our hearts and minds um, because um, God equips us in that way. Um, if we have the knowledge of what the situation is, then we can see things with eyes wide open. But if we go into it blindly um, and we are just like, oh yes, yeah, so the Bible says to, um, to listen to all authority, and we sit in that classroom with the teachers only feeding themselves, we fall um, subject to all the other things going on in that person's life. And we don't see, um, we don't see how we're being corrupted by that and influenced by that. So I encourage all of you guys to approach every person in your life with eyes wide open um, in a loving manner that listens to authority, but that doesn't mean you allow yourself to be influenced um, by those situations and the ones that you can control, like things you watch on TV and whatnot. Um, those are ones that you get to exert your control over and say, you know what? I don't want this influencing me. I don't want to run the risk of pollution, um, and whatnot. All right. Moving on to, um, verse 16 of Jude. It says, these people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. Grumblers and fault finders. That's something I struggle with. If it's a rainy day, I struggle to not complain that it's raining and getting me wet, even though I could just buy an umbrella. And fault finders, um, for me, I do find it easy to find uh, faults. In other people and that's a parallel I would like to draw before we proceed any further um, it's one thing to um, identify uh, faults for the sake of what you're allowing to absorb into your life in a clinical way where you're making a decision whether or not to listen to something or to observe something um, such as I'm not going to watch porn because I find fault with the content and it does not align with the word of God. So therefore, I'm not going to do that. That is fault finding, technically. However, it's clinical. Uh, it's looking at it just from a very removed standpoint. It's, um, I notice I'm not attacking the people who are in the porn and it's a you know decision I'm making to not follow it or turn to it. Now that's really different than um, saying, oh, this person in my small group, you know, they talk too much and it drives me nuts. That's slander. That's criticism. That's gossip. That's judgment. Very different. Um, or fault finding being uh, the way Jude talks about it as a form of complaining, like. 
oh, that sermon went on for way too long. And it was just so hard to listen to the preacher go on and on. It's like now you're not using your words to build others up. And that's also detrimental. Um, and that's coming from an overly critical spirit, which is also something I struggle with, fun fact. But um, I'm working on it. But it is a good thing to notice that, um, you know, sinners do um, grumble and they do fault find in uh, increasingly higher proportions to someone who has the spirit of God in their heart. And it is something to be completely aware of because I've been with friends that don't follow God and their grumbling and fault finding totally rubs off on me. I walk away from the conversation, you know, grumbling about everything in my life, um, grumbling about everything in everyone else's life. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't like the pollution I just absorbed. I don't like that I'm not strong enough to walk away from that conversation, um, coming out of that conversation godly. I'm coming out of this conversation very ungodly. And so um, it's important to recognize when we're being subject to these things, either at school or with family or friends or anyone else in our lives. It's really important to just take note of when that's happening um, from a clinical, like, um, you know, decision-making perspective, not from a judgmental one, not to go say, oh, our friend is such a... Uh, ungodly grumbler and fault finder they're such a terrible person that's now word being judgmental we just want to identify what's going on and then make a choice whether we're going to remove ourselves from a situation or how we're going to respond to that situation so um, very different than uh, you know saying harsh things about someone and then it says um, they follow their own evil desires and the way we can contrast that with a Christian life is, do we follow our own desires or do we seek to follow God's desires for our life? And I think that's a great question to um, think about. So if you want to take some time this week to really um, process that and think about, do I follow my own desires or do I seek to follow the Lord's desires for my life? And it is okay if you say, I follow my own desires. That's okay. Like, you know, this is not a salvation question. It's just that we need to pray about that. We want to pray about that. We want to invite Jesus into area every area of our life because he does make things new. Because he does help us. He does provide us with grace and mercy. He does give us every tool we need for every situation when we call on his name. And so if we do follow our own desires, um, we ought to ask God for help with that and to say, what of my desires can I make your desire? Um, if I desire to have a really high paying job, Maybe that could translate into, God, I want to have a job that um, is moving your kingdom forward, that is honoring to you. Um, would you help me let go of the need for a high-paying job? And would you give me the financial security and stability of a job that is for your kingdom? And when I say that, I don't necessarily mean 
pastoring, I mean, or like a ministry or a church job, I mean, you can cut people's hair and do ministry. You can cut someone's hair and still draw them close to God. You can do any, you can be a garbage man and still draw people close to God. You can do any job and draw people near. You can be a receptionist. You can be a teacher. There's so many jobs you can do. I would argue any job. You can be a cashier at a grocery store and draw people close to God. So it's really paramount that we try with all of our heart to just invite God into those areas of our own desires and slowly let him work away at them. Because there was a time in my life that I wanted a really high paying job and I wanted it just for the money. Well, primarily for the money, but also to help people. And I slowly noticed God wanting to work in my life over that. And he took that desire and he really molded it into um, about helping people and then that the money would come later and that I don't need that super, super high paying job, but that um, that he would still provide for me in that career field, making slightly less, which is still, you know, a good amount, um, but in a way that really honors his people instead of fixating on the money for myself, but yet still having enough. So I think it's really important when we feel or sense that God wants an area of our life to be his, that we try to give it up to him. We try and pray through it, talk to him about how we're actually feeling that, God, I'm hesitant to let you into this because I really do want money. I want to be secure financially and tell him those desires of our heart and allow him to really work through it because otherwise we do run the risk of those desires we have becoming evil desires where we are money obsessed and only care about ourselves and that is an evil desire but it can you can take just a regular desire and it can become evil really quickly if we let it grow and if we feed it and if it becomes polluted um and anyways um it says that these people boast about themselves um a good question to ask yourself is do i boast more about others or do i boast more about myself um when someone says, oh, how was your shift on this day? Oh, it was really great. You know, I had this lovely customer come in and they were so kind and um, that was great. Or I had someone really difficult come in, but I was just so impressed with the way my coworker or boss handled it. Like, um, you know, like how do your conversations go? Are you talk? Are you boasting about other people? Or is it always me, 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 boasting about myself? Oh, I did such a great job with this. I did. Oh, I got this. I did this. And it's like, yeah, it's a really quick way to identify um, where someone's heart is. And that these people flatter themselves for their own advantage, as it says in verse 16 there. They flatter themselves for their own advantage. That's definitely really difficult. Um... Because sometimes we feel a need to flatter ourselves because we simply just want to feel uh, appreciated, to feel known, to feel loved, uh, to feel worthy. Um, you can think about it like um, if you're getting together um, with a group of students and um, you're trying to show people that you're good enough to take a big role in the presentation and you really want it to, so that you can get a good grade. And if you take the big role, you're more likely to get 
a better grade. And so you start flattering yourselves and you start saying, oh, well, I did this and this is my accomplishment and I'm the, so great at this and I'm so great at that. Um, and I don't mean like saying like, you know, determining whether you're the right fit for the job. I mean, going above and over the top of like really selling yourself and just flat out, just aggressively bragging about yourself. Um, you know, it's not right to flatter ourselves for our own advantage because it's a form of manipulation. And, um, oh, that is so funny. I actually read that wrong. I thought it said flatter self for own advantage, but it actually says flatter others for their own advantage, which is actually also a form of manipulation. Um, so to flatter others for their, I mean, it could say, you know, flatter self to manipulate. I mean, I could see how, you know, maybe somewhere in the word of God, it supports that argument as well, but to flatter others for their own advantage, um, you know, that's also manipulation to, to say to your mom, oh, mom, you look so pretty today. Like, this is kind of a silly example, but mom, you look so pretty today. And like, Mom, I really loved your dinner you made. It was so delicious. Is it okay if I sleep over at so-and-so's house? You are being deceitful and you are manipulating your mom. That's not honoring her, which is in the Ten Commandments. That's not right. Um, so that's another way to see um, who the ungodly and godly are. You know, when people flatter the boss just for a promotion, that's not right either. Um... And that is how we can tell sinners apart. Um, or if we do those things too, then they're just areas of our lives that we want to turn over to God. Um, if we struggle with them. It's okay if we struggle with things like... any. If you've struggled with anything I've mentioned, it is completely okay. Because we're forgiven and we are redeemed through the blood of Jesus. And we must remember that. Um, and that is why I'm mentioning it to you. Because we are forgiven. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus if we believe in him and if we love him. Um, just to jump more so to um, in Jude, what it talks about, about, um, you know, what should we do? So we've talked about all these people around us that um, we've talked about some signs and some character traits and ways of identifying people who are ungodly and the reason we are identifying why they're ungodly is so we can make decisions about what we're going to allow to feed us and into our lives so we can avoid pollution. Um, now we're going to talk a little bit about what we and God can do. So we talked about earliest, we talked about contending for the faith, which is what we're told to do. Contending for the faith is a great defense against um, these things, just pressing on. Um, we can also... Uh, draw and take comfort from the fact that um, God is going to convict everyone of their ungodly acts one day. God is the just judge. He is fair. He is righteous. He is um, faithful. And he will be faithful to his word. And his word says that all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Um, so when he comes down to judge everyone, we can take refuge in that. Um and we can take refuge in the fact that, like, it can feel really overwhelming when we're caught up in a world of pornography and reality TV shows and people who manipulate their boss to get a promotion. And it's, like, stressful and it's overwhelming 
in the day-to-day, but we can take refuge in the fact that we do not have to judge anyone, which would be egregiously stressful and ridiculously complicated and is far beyond our wisdom and understanding. But we're going to have a perfect judge who's going to come down and do all that for us. So we don't have to worry about judging anyone. We just need to figure out what we're doing. Um, Worry about how we're proceeding in this life. But um, God will take care of all these things for us. He will deal with all those difficult co-workers and teachers and bosses. And um, we can leave it to Jesus. Um, Another encouraging note is um, we can you know, kind of defend ourselves and protect ourselves against um, the things of the world, as it says in verse 20, um, by building ourselves up in our most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit to keep ourselves in the Lord's love as we wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring us to eternal life. And that's verse 20 and 21 I just read out of. But just to acknowledge that the antidote God gives us that I've been mentioning throughout this episode, the antidote God gives us to the world is him. And the way we access him is prayer. Well, one of the many ways we access him is prayer. And that's what it says here. It says, um, by building yourselves up and praying in the Holy Spirit. And um, if we pray, we're allowing God access to our life. We're allowing God access to our thoughts. And um, even though he has access to those things anyways, we're really entering into relationship with him. And we're allowing ourselves to have a real relationship with him. Um, So we want to pray about all things, all difficulties. And it says in verse 1, to keep ourselves in the Lord's love, in God's love. And what does that look like? That looks like not judging the ungodly, not judging them if you think they are ungodly, or if it's just an ungodly action, ungodly character trait, not judging them, but just taking note and making a decision how to proceed, but keeping ourselves in God's love. And what does that look like? Well, it says, be merciful to those who doubt in verse 22, um, to save others in verse 23 by snatching them from the fire, to show others mercy and fear. And to hate even the stained clothing by corrupted flesh. So what does that mean? God is saying, keep yourselves in the Lord's love. So we're going to, like, just as we're going to keep ourselves in the Lord's love, we're going to show love to others through hospitality, through kind acts, through loving words, loving speech, loving actions. We're going to build others up in love um, and be the light of the world. That's the response. Um, And then we want to be merciful to those who doubt Earlier when it talked about people who, um, what did it say here? Um, people who slander whatever they don't, whatever they don't understand. When people are attacking Jesus in the classroom or when people are, uh, attacking Jesus at the dinner table, slandering things they just don't understand. We are to be merciful to those who doubt, to give the same mercy to them, um, to withhold our anger and frustration and wrath and hurt, um, from them as God does to us. We just want to be in love. Show that person all of the Lord's love and win them over that way. To save them by snatching them from the fire, to show others mercy mixed with fear, as it says in verse 23, we want to show them, uh, 
you know, love and caringness and kindness by presenting them with the word of God, by showing them fear of the Lord and what fear of the Lord looks like in a healthy way, which I feel like I could do a whole separate podcast on. Maybe I will sometime. And it says, and hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Um, and that's just a really fancy metaphor for just hating sin. And there is a huge difference between hating sin and hating the sinner. We are to love all people, but that doesn't mean we love sin. I can love one of my closest friends who drinks to get drunk, like, all the time. But I don't love that she drinks to get drunk. I just love her. And that's a huge difference. And um, we're to actually hate sin. Uh, hate lying. But that doesn't mean we hate the person who's lying. We are to be merciful and keep ourselves in the Lord's love. And so that's how I would totally encourage you um, to go into the world um, eyes wide open. Always searching for the truth. And keeping ourselves from being polluted. But really drawing on the Lord's love to do those things. And um, showing the Lord's love at every turn and every opportunity um, to snatch others from the fire. So that they might see your love for the Lord and be saved themselves. Um, And then some encouragement because we've talked about a lot of different sins and whatnot. It says in verse 24, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Um... To him who is able to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory. That's very encouraging because it says God's able to keep us from stumbling. So through prayer, we ask God for help, knowing who and what to be around for help with what we say and do. And then he presents us, if we believe and love him, without fault and with great joy. And how beautiful is that? So I'm totally going to end on that because that's what Jude ended on. And I find it really encouraging. And I hope you do too. I hope you take away some really positive things from this. And I hope you go into the world with eyes wide open in a brand new way. Um, As um, Jude says, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. All right. May this go well with you and have a great rest of your week. See you guys next Monday.